Hello, and welcome to Always Responding. I'm KB, a 19-year veteran with law enforcement. During my career, I've responded to every type of call imaginable, from a petty larceny all the way to a violent shooting. Over the course of a 19-year career, all these calls can start to pile up on you and add to your already overstressed mind and body. So what do we do as first responders to combat this stress? to ensure we have a long, healthy career. This is really an age-old question, right? What works for me may not work for you or for the next first responder and so on. But it's very important to find something away from the job, whatever it is, that allows you to leave work at work, something that allows you to decompress after each shift. If you do happen to find one of those really bad calls, and we all know the ones I'm talking about. Now, what could be really bad for me or your buddy may not be really bad for you. But if you do find a particular call that affects you really bad, then it's very important to find a way to take time for yourself. Talk to someone. Don't keep that bottled up. These are the type of issues that have kept inside over time will start to tear at you and slowly break you down. You won't see it or maybe even feel it at first, but over time, holding on to these feelings can have an adverse effect on you and your body. So be sure to take time for yourself. Be sure to try and leave work at work. And if you find certain calls having an effect on you emotionally, physically, mentally, it's normal. You're not alone. It happens to everyone. If this starts to happen to you, or if you feel it's already happening, please talk to someone. We are all in this together. We are all first responders. Always Responding dedicates a portion of every episode to any first responder who may have paid the ultimate sacrifice between the last episode and the current one. Officer Down Memorial Page provides the names of any law enforcement officer who may have been killed in the line of duty. So far, we have lost 107 law enforcement officers in the line of duty in 2022. Here are the names of the latest officers who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Chief Deputy Sheriff Jody Cash, Callaway County Sheriff's Office, end of watch, May 16th. Chief Deputy Jody Cash was shot and killed in front of the Marshall County Sheriff's Office at 52 Judicial Drive in Benton at 2.10 p.m. He was escorting a prisoner when the man shot him. The prisoner was also shot and killed during the incident. Chief Deputy Cash was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. Chief Deputy Cash had served with the Callaway County Sheriff's Office for one and a half years and had previously served eight years with the Kentucky State Police, six years as the Assistant Chief of the Murray State University Police Department, and six years with the Callaway County Sheriff's Office. He is survived by his wife and two children. He was 44 years old. Border Patrol Agent Daniel Salazar, United States Department of Homeland Security. End of watch, May 17th, automobile crash. Border Patrol Agent Salazar was killed in a single vehicle crash on the Bell Valley Truck Trail near Campos, California. He was responding to investigate a sensor that had been activated in the area when his Jeep Wrangler patrol vehicle left the road and overturned in a rugged area. Another agent located the wreckage at about 5.30 a.m. Border Patrol Agent Salazar had served with the United States Border Patrol for four years and was assigned to the El Cajon Station. He is survived by his wife and son. He was 40 years old. We also lost one of our canine officers as well, K-9 Mina, from the United States Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection, United States Border Protection, end of watch, May 2nd, 2022, animal-related. K-9 Mina succumbed to a rattlesnake bite sustained the previous day while she and her handler were searching for a group of illegal aliens along the railroad tracks near the intersection of Carriers Drive and I-35 Frontage Road in Laredo, Texas. She was walking in and out of a tall grass when she sustained two bites from a rattlesnake. She was transported to an emergency veterinarian where she passed away the following morning. K-9 Mina had served with the United States Border Patrol for four years. She was five years old. There's a prayer that was written for the honor guard where I work. I read it and believe it's appropriate for this moment and would like to read it now. The honor guard prayer. We march out as a team. Our belts and boots gleam. 
Our shrouds are thick as rain clouds, and our commander's call is loud. We've seen sons say goodbye to fathers, and fathers say goodbye to sons. Mortuaries are too familiar, and a spouse's emotions all become similar. After the rifles slide back, the extended flag has no slack, and our heartbeats all sink to taps. We then go home and weep to each other and say a prayer we keep in our cover. Dear Lord, keep our bonds tight and guide our brother to the light. Please keep our legacy bright and allow those behind us to hold my casket tight. If you've never been to the funeral of a law enforcement officer or any first responder who's been killed in the line of duty, and I pray that you never do, but let me tell you from someone who's been to one too many, they are very emotional and gut-wrenching. To see the officer's family members there and to watch the spouse receive the folded flag and then hear taps and the 21-gun salute, there's not a dry eye in the place. I have a very dear friend of mine who's on the honor guard for the department I work on. He's the most amazing supervisor I've ever had the privilege to work for, and he would do anything for anybody. But I know being on the honor guard and having to work as many funerals for officers killed in the line of duty as he has over the years must be getting to him. He has such a huge heart, and I, I just can't imagine what a toll has taken on those who work that assignment. But I know those who work the honor guard do so not for the recognition or praise, but they do it because it's in their heart and they truly have a passion for what they do. Always Responding will now provide the names of firefighters who have lost their lives in the line of duty since the last episode. The names can be located on the U.S. Fire Administration website. Here are the following names. John McAdam, Louisville Fire Department, Louisville, Kentucky. End of watch, May 11th. On Monday, May 9th, 2022, while on duty at the fire station, firefighter Sean Patrick McAdam suffered a medical emergency. He was immediately transported to the University of Louisville Hospital, but he passed away on Wednesday, May 11th. McAdam was 49 years old. Sean Erickson from Bloomkest Fire Department, Bloomkest, Minnesota, into watch May 12th. On Thursday, May 12th, firefighter Ryan Leaf Erickson was paged to respond to a weather watch due to impending violent storms. As he was leaving his farm, firefighter Erickson was struck by a grain bin that was lifted off its foundation, rolling off a shed and landing on top of him, crushing him and killing him instantly. Just a note on this one, my, uh, my good friend Don, who was on the uh, the episode with me a couple episodes ago actually dealt with this one personally. So um, my uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the family member of this firefighter and also to my, my, my good friend Don. Such a tragic loss for everybody involved. Always Responding will continue to pay tribute each and every episode to all the brave men and women who pay the ultimate sacrifice so that they are never forgotten. We also have another issue that's taking the lives of our men and women first responders, and it's not a virus or a violent felon from the streets or a raging three-alarm fire. No, the thing taking the lives of our fellow co-workers, our partners, our brothers or sisters is suicide. This year alone, suicide has accounted for 54 law enforcement, nine firefighters, and three correction officers' deaths. The average age of service is 16.73 years for law enforcement, 16.71 for firefighter, 14.85 for EMS, 3.5 for dispatcher, and 11. 
0.65 for correction. The numbers don't lie. Our brothers and sisters are hurting and we need to be there for them. Got to be there for all of us. I know it can be difficult to ask for help. It can be hard to walk up to someone you feel maybe struggling and ask if they're okay or if they need help. I get it. But what if I told you there's a place that can help? For the police, it's called Copline, an officer's lifeline. What is that, you ask? Well, I'm glad you did. Copline is a nonprofit, strictly confidential line. Callers can trust that their agencies will not be informed. And here's how it works. An officer calls 1-800-COPLINE. That's 1-800-267-5463. And the line is answered by a retired officer, vetted and trained as a peer active listener. The hotline is open to active and retired officers and their families who are dealing with the many stressors involved in police work, both on and off the job. Copline is operational 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Copline deals with everything from a bad day to full-blown mental health crisis, not just when the officer feels suicidal. That's very important. If you feel you need to talk to someone and you have nowhere to turn to and you feel you don't know where to go, call Copline. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're there for us as cops. They're there to help us. Give them a call. They want officers and their families to know they can call whenever they feel the need to talk to someone. Copline will always have someone there ready to listen. To our brothers and sisters from the fire department, there's a support group for you as well. It's called Fire Strong. It's F-I-R-E-S-T-R-O-N-G. And you can access their site by logging on to www.firestrong.org. Once on their site, they provide you with a video tour of everything they provide you as a firefighter and your family. There's a 24-7 firefighter and family crisis and support line. And that number is 844-525-FIRE. That's 844-525-3473, which provides anyone who calls the opportunity to speak with a master level counselor who's also trained in the fire service culture. FireStrong provides links on topics such as stress, sleep deprivation, suicide, drug and alcohol abuse, and PTSD, to name a few. One of the most valuable resources FireStrong has compiled is a group of chaplains. FireStrong currently has a list of over 50 chaplains from diverse backgrounds. Their personal biographies are included to help you connect on a personal level. Uh, You can use their direct email addresses and phone numbers to contact them for help. Those encounters are not tracked or recorded by FireStrong and are totally confidential. Equally as important is the FireStrong peer support team. FireStrong currently has a list of over 400 peer support team members nationwide who are willing to take phone calls. Just like the chaplains, the numbers they have listed go directly to them and are not tracked by FireStrong. These are your peers, independent people who have volunteered to help those they care about, including you. You can call or email them directly without signing in or ever contacting FireStrong staff. FireStrong does have a membership option for your department as well, and they provide more detail on this in the video. So I strongly uh, suggest that uh, the fire department side, if you're struggling as well, to reach out to FireStrong, at least give it a a, a go and look into the uh, website. They have a lot of information on there that could be helpful as well. Something to look into. I'm just so grateful that there are these amazing options out there for us first responders to turn to in in our darkest hours to have someone to talk to, someone who knows exactly what we're going through, who understands the struggles we are facing, the demons we see every time we close our eyes uh, and try to sleep. But, you know, a lot of times sleep just doesn't come. To have someone who's non-judgmental, who's not trying to fix you, but just be there to listen. I think that's so important. You know, there's so many times that, you know, your family tries to help or uh, people, even your partner sometimes that you work with or, you know, other family members, um, friends who aren't on the job, they try to help. You know, they see that maybe you're struggling and they, they, they're doing their best. I mean, their hearts are in the right place. But a lot of times you just need somebody just to listen, somebody who understands what you've been through and what you've seen and what you you see on a daily basis, just to listen. That's so important. Just want to also let you know that for our EMS 
brothers and sisters who work tirelessly through the day and night, who see and respond to so many horrific car calls after calls, and who are usually first on the scene of the terrible traffic collisions, baby deaths, drownings. They, they struggle just as much as any first responder out there with stress, depression, anxiety, etc. EMS workers need a place to turn as well, somewhere they feel comfortable to go to and have someone to talk to. There is a, a another place they can go to. It's called National Association of Emergency Medical Technicians. I located this website as well. It, it, sh- it shows on as NA. EMT, EMS practitioners facing challenges and traumatic events that can impact their mental well-being every day. The mounting effect of patient needs, family, long work days, nutrition, physical health, and sleep deprivation all contribute to an individual's sense of wellness. Mental and emotional wellness is critical to the longevity of a healthy EMS career. And if you are currently experiencing suicidal thoughts or would like emotional support, or you are worried about a colleague, you can reach out to one of the support services. There's a few. There's one that's ACEP. They have a guide on there. If you go onto the website, it's the National Association of Emergency Medical Technicians website. They have a bunch of information on there. Uh, there's actually a ACEP wellness guide that uh, provides a ton of information. They um, also, the ACEP Wellness and Assistance Program offers members three free counseling or wellness sessions. So it's a, a lot of information on there. There's the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Uh, there's a number on there you can call as well if you're uh, having thoughts about suicide. Uh, there's the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI. There's a hotline number for you as well. So I would suggest that if you have time, go on that website. It's the National Association of Emergency Medical Technicians, NAEMT. Check it out. There's a lot of information on there for you, for EMS workers as well. A huge thank you out to Copline, Firestrong, and the National Association of Emergency Technicians for being there for us. There are other resources available to first responders than the ones mentioned above, and I strongly encourage you to research all your options available. I found these and believe in the positive impact each program has on every person who participates and makes that call. Like I always say, it takes all of us to make a difference. You know, I'm sitting here at my computer writing my notes for this upcoming episode, trying to get my thoughts together, trying to piece together what I want to talk about, what I want to say. And as I'm going over ideas and I'm looking up on my TV and the news is on, and in the background and through my peripheral, I see a breaking news story on a school shooting in Texas. And I pause what I'm, I'm doing and I listen and And then I'm in total shock, and I hear it's an elementary school that has been the target of this unthinkable violence. And at first, unimaginable, they say two kids were killed. But as the story unfolds, we find out the unthinkable. Eighteen young, innocent kids were shot and killed, along with one of their teachers. For what? The evil that walked into that school and did what he did can never be understood. My heart breaks for the families of those innocent kids and the family of the brave teacher who lost their lives to this horrific act of cowardice and pure evil. My heart also breaks to all the first responders in that Texas community who were the first on scene, who have to live with what they saw and what they have to endure from that horrific scene. From what I've heard so far, it sounds like there was a Border Patrol agent that ran into the school and was able to stop the threat. You know, God bless that brave Border Patrol agent who was able to do that and, and, you know, at least put an end to that horrific incident. You can't put your mind around evil and you can't process evil. It just, there's nothing that you can say or nothing that you can do to make any sense of it all. It's just completely heartbreaking. So my heart and my, my prayers go to everybody in that Texas town. And there's just so much evil in this world. I did find a poem I think is kind of fitting, and uh, I, I want to read it now. And I want to just say for everybody down there, for the families of the, of the kids that were taken from us too soon, the, all the families down there, the first responders, everybody in that community, we're all behind you. 
was sending nothing but love and prayers to you. And, you know, God bless all those, those young lives taken so soon. I want to read this poem. The world may never notice if a snowdrop doesn't bloom, or even pause to wonder if the petals fall too soon. But every life that ever forms or ever comes to be touches the world in some small way for all eternity. The little one we longed for was swiftly here and gone, but the love that was then planted is a light that still shines on. And though our arms are empty, our hearts know what to do, for every beating of our hearts says that we love you. God bless the young and innocent ones taken before they even had a chance to live. Always Responding continues to ensure all first responders have a voice and a platform to come to and a place where they can talk about their issues or just listen to others talk about the job and how to deal with the day-to-day stress and the ways to manage it. Like I said in the beginning, I've been in law enforcement for over 19 years. I know for a fact stress has affected me physically, emotionally, and mentally. I've gained weight. I don't sleep regularly. I have difficulty with short-term memory. I have some anger issues from time to time. My patients can get razor thin at times. Just ask my wife. All this can be attributed to my long career in law enforcement. Now, do I practice what I preach? Remember from my earlier episodes, I said one of the important things is to keep work at work. I like to think I've been able to do that for the most part of my 19-year career. Now, I'm no saint. I'm sure there have been times I've brought some work from home. That's going to happen. But you've got to limit the amount of work you bring home. There are cases where you hear of officers or other first responders who are married to their job, the ones who are on 24-7, always on the job, the one who even at the weekend barbecue is talking shop. You know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, then maybe it's you. These guys and girls are the ones we hear about that retire and within a couple of years have major heart attacks and die. Why is that? They seem like they're in great shape. Well, it's because they were married to the job. The job was what they related to. It's what defined them as a person. Once that was gone, they lost their identity. That's why it's so important to have a life outside the job. So do I live by what I preach? Well, I can tell you this. If you know me outside of the police department and you don't know what I do for a living, you have no idea I was a cop. I enjoy my time off, away from work. I enjoy my time with my family. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been on long enough to know, to be able to sense danger and to understand what to do when my spidey senses go off and how to get myself and my family out of bad situations. But at the end of the day, we are cops, and sometimes we have to do things that others wouldn't even think or dream of doing. And yet, we still walk into places while others are running out. What I'm trying to say is, we spend enough time on the job while on the job. When we are off duty, try to stay off duty. Trust me, your stress levels, anxiety levels, blood pressure levels, and all around depression levels will drop. You, your significant other, and your loved ones will all notice a huge difference. Our jobs were here long before we took our oath. They are here now and will be here long after we retire and move on. The times we have with our loved ones and our families is precious and passed by in an instant. Don't let the memories they have of you be the ones you regret. Leave work at work. I can sit here and tell you I've been able to handle the stress of the job fairly well, and I've been able to balance between work and home. But instead of taking it for me, why don't we bring in an expert? Someone who's grown up his whole life with living with his dad, who's a cop. Welcome to Always Responding, my son, Kai. How's it going? Hey, buddy. How are you doing? Good, you? I'm good. So, Kai, I've been talking about how stress can affect first responders, but I want to talk about how the job can also affect the family members of first responders. So I just want to bring you in here and talk to you for a few minutes, okay? Sounds good. All right. So obviously you've grown up with me being a cop your whole life. Right. All right. So what are some of the first memories you have of your dad being on the job? 
Well, I remember back in elementary school when you took me to school, came in and talked to the class. It was it was cool. Got to ride in the cop car, see all the cool stuff that was there, how the lights worked, came in and talked. Everyone seemed like they enjoyed it, and it was a good time. So you were ahead of your school then? Yeah. All the kids thought that was pretty cool that your dad was a cop? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah? Got all the girls? All the girls thought you were kind of cool? No. So you were like uh, probably like in first grade? Yeah. Okay. Do you feel that my job has had a negative effect on you or your brothers or sisters at all over the years? No. I feel like you maintain keeping work at work and you never bring it home and put it down on us. If you like had a bad call or just angry at something, you never take it out on us or mom or anything. You 90% of the time leave work at work, if not higher. So going back on what I was talking about a few minutes ago, um, I try to live by what I what I say and, and, and leave my job at my job and come home and, and have kind of a separate life away from the job then. Right. Okay. So I've, I've been able to do that fairly fairly decently. Yeah. I'd or, say a good amount of time. Okay. Well, that's good. So I, you know, going back to what I, I was telling you guys a little bit earlier, it's, it's good to have that balance. It's really a positive thing and it's difficult. Trust me, I struggled with that for a long time to be able to differentiate between my job and my home life. It's very important to try to do that. I'm not, I'm no saint by any means, but I, it's really important, especially with your kids is to try to leave that work and that stress at work. And, and to have that separate home life and to allow your kids not to see that stress that the job has on you and to bring that home. Kind of seems to think that I was able to do that then. Yeah. Well, that's good then. Um, and I haven't paid you for this interview, correct? <laughs> no. No money at all, no right? Money. Okay, so you're just this, this is the truth coming out. All right, good. Um, do you think that we act differently when we go out as a family? Uh, I wouldn't say differently, just more aware. Like making sure uh, our surroundings are maintained and if anything were to happen we know what we're supposed to do and say we're at like a big like a mall and you send something you tell us to go into a store and don't come out until we get you and we know that so if we were on our own and that would happen we just follow what you say but I wouldn't say we act different just more aware of our surroundings okay so not over overly active you know as far as being like code red or anything like that, but just aware of your surroundings and right. aware of what's going around and, and things like that. So just so you can be prepared in case something happens. Yep. Well, that's, that's not a bad thing though, right? No. I mean, you don't, you don't feel like growing up and you're always out, always had to have your head on a swivel and, you know, that something bad was going to happen every time you went out. No, just making sure to keep an eye out. And if anything were to happen, we know what to do. Okay. Um, do you think my job has stressed me out? Yeah, I feel like it has multiple times when, like, you get called out late, you're out till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, if not later, have to be up the next morning or that same day at 2 o'clock and get ready for work again, and sometimes get called back out that night again and have to do it all over again and get no sleep, and then your Thursday, Friday off, you have headaches, you're you're tired. So just lack of sleep. And, yeah, lack know, of sleep. Yeah, I mean, that... that type of thing will affect a lot of people and I, I I can't disagree with you I mean you know just it doesn't help that I'm getting a lot older now too and when you're working those hours and as I do and have the call outs like we do and staying late and having to turn back around and go back to work within five or six hours it does make it very difficult it's hard to you know not get grumpy when you're tired it's difficult I, I do my best but 
you know, there are times that I've seen it where I've snapped at you guys have been grumpy and angry and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, I will try to do better on that situation. Um, do you think I've gotten better or worse as far as stress goes over the years? Over the years, I feel like the stress have gotten a lot lighter and not as stressed out. Like when you were on patrol, you'd come home and be stressed about, about calls you got or uh, traffic stops and all that stuff. But now with your current state of job you maintain being able to stay unstressed but it still gets to you sometimes and with this type of job I feel like the workload you get is a lot lighter and if the workload is heavier it won't be more stressful than what you were doing patrol mainly you're just doing paperwork and documents and stuff like that until you have to get called out late at night yeah I can see that I mean Working in patrol as long as I did. I worked patrol about 13 years before I moved on to the uh, detective side of the house. Um, you know, it, patrol is just a, a whole different beast. Anybody who has done patrol for a long period of time can attest to that. It's just, you know, every day is going to be different. So your stress levels are extremely high. Um, that um, you never know from, from call to call what you're going to get involved in. And, you know, it's the emotional roller coaster, as they call it, because you're going from one hot call to another, then your your emotions drop back down because it's a non-dynamic call and you're getting back up to a dynamic call and then you're dropping back down. So you're riding that emotional roller coaster constantly. So your stress levels are always up and down where if you're working behind a desk, it's kind of even kill for the most part. So your real stress you have to deal with is just your caseloads and stuff like that. So I can see that. And do you wish I was doing something different than being a police officer? Um, I don't really wish. I mean, yeah, it would be like a lot easier on the family for you to be doing something different but it's like I've only seen you as a, a cop your whole life and it's kind of just normal to me now and if it would change jobs it would just be different and probably uh, not comfortable be weird for you yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah you don't know what to do if your dad wasn't a cop yeah pretty much it just throw it off a little bit so speaking of that I'll, obviously I'm coming to the end near the end of my career you know pushing 20 years now so Hopefully the next few years I'll be ready to retire. Are you ready for that? Yeah. It'd yeah. be easier for us making sure you have more time with the family and that stress load will hopefully drop completely and you're not out late and then you have more time to sleep. You're not cranky or tired, exhausted, start to get sick or anything. And so that just makes that easier. And like I said earlier, more time with us and more time for new activities such as this podcast oh outstanding and I, I definitely want to put more time into this because this is uh, something that I'm very passionate about and I'm hoping to do more time with this so I appreciate that um, and my last question um, knowing that I've done this my whole life and I've never ever pushed you or any of your your sister or your brother into this um, and knowing that your brother is obviously uh, doing his own thing and he's an EMS and paramedic and he's doing the first responder the opposite of what I'm doing I'm very proud of him um, hopefully we'll get him on the podcast here soon as well and talk about his career and what he's doing. Um, but as far as being a police officer, is this something you ever thought you'd want to do? Never in a million years. <laughs> I I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the stress or the training to get where you need to be, like eight months of boot camp and all that time spent just training and then to get out into the real world, It's it's especially with the environment going on right now, it's it's, it's a tough job to be in. I don't blame you, son. And uh, like I said, I support you, my, your mom, and I support you no matter what you want to do. And uh, 
I can't say I, I would want you to do in this career either um, with everything the way it is now and um, how dangerous it is. I, I would you talk about my stress level going up then it would go up tenfold. So yeah, yeah I don't blame you there either. Well, listen, I, I thank you for your candid answers. I truly appreciate your input and your honesty. Um, I hope everyone listening can take a little bit from what my son said and here today. This is coming from someone who grew up in law enforcement and in an environment and has been around this his entire life. He was speaking, speaking from his heart and saying what he truly felt. This is exactly what Always Responding is all about, talking about the tough issues and discussing things that may be hard to talk about but still needs to be discussed. So, again, thank you, son. Uh, I love you. I love you, too. Thanks for having me. All right. As we come to the end of this episode, it's another uh, edition of War Stories on today's editions. I wanted to share another one of my war stories. This is one that involves me and two of my closest friends on the department. This particular incident occurred way back near the beginning of my career. I had probably been on maybe a year at the time and was working the yard. We had received a call earlier in the shift from one of the neighboring area commands in regards to a domestic violence call. The details were that a husband and a wife had an altercation that took place in the area command and that the husband had shot at the wife's vehicle. The husband had left the area prior to officer's arrival and the couple lived in the area command that I worked. The officers wanted me and my other partners to drive to the couple's address. They provided the husband's vehicle description and wanted us to knock on the apartment to see if they were home. We conducted a knock and talk at the residence, but no one answered. I went about my shift and after lunch, which was about 4 a.m., decided to drive back over to the apartment just to see if the husband's vehicle was parked outside. When I arrived, I located the husband's vehicle in the apartment's parking lot, so I called my two partners over so we could conduct another knock and talk on the couple's door. This time, the wife answered, and when we asked if her husband was home, she hesitated and seemed nervous. Due to our training and experience with domestic violence calls, we determined she was possibly in danger and that her husband was possibly inside the apartment with her at the time. We decided to conduct a safety sweep of the apartment in an attempt to locate the male, who, remember, had just hours before allegedly shot at his wife's vehicle, so me and my two partners go clearing the apartment looking for a possibly armed suspect. I thought it'd be a great idea to go look in the bedroom closet. I get on my hands and knees, and while using my right hand, I sweep through the bedroom closet. Well, as fate would have it, while I was sweeping through the closet, my hand grabbed onto the suspect's leg. All I remember doing was looking back at one of my partners who was standing inside the closet with me. Now, whenever we needed complete radio control on our department, we asked for a code red. Well, as soon as I grabbed the suspect's leg, I look at my partner who was standing in the closet and I yelled at him, Give me a red! He then, without hesitation, turned to our other partner, who was standing in the bedroom carrying a shotgun, and he yelled to him, Give him a red! Now, this partner neither gave either one of us a red. He just racked the shotgun, and if you've ever heard a shotgun racked in a close quarter setting, it's a sound you'll never mistake for anything else. He pointed the shotgun at the subject, who was still sitting inside the closet, and said, Don't you move! Well, after all of us took a deep breath, and I made sure my shorts were still clean, we took the male into custody and turned him over to the other area command. Till this day, I have no idea why I asked my partner for a red, and he has no idea why he asked the other partner for a red. We all laugh and say, what the hell were we going to do with a red anyway? Oh, the things we did as newbies. Good times. Well, that's my war story for this episode of Always Responding. I would love to hear yours. Email me some of your war stories at alwaysresponding at gmail.com and I'll be more than happy to read them on one of my upcoming episodes. It's that time again, time to wrap things up. Thank you for spending part of your day with me. I truly appreciate you. 
I want Always Responding to be a podcast for all first responders. I know we speak a lot about police and fire, but we also want to talk about EMS, correction, and dispatchers. We are all part of the first responder family, and we are all in this together. I would love feedback from everyone. If you have suggestions or would like me to mention something for one of the first responders mentioned above, you can email me at alwaysresponding at gmail.com. Thank you for spending some time with me today. I hope everyone has a long, safe, and healthy career. This is KB with Always Responding saying thank you. And remember, as they would always say in the 80s cop show, let's be safe out there.